Chapter Four of For Fifteen Years by Louis Albach, translated by Elizabeth Warmly Latimer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, The Hearts of Mothers. When Gabrielle came back, she drew up to her own chair a chair for Emilienne and said gently, making a gesture toward it with her hand, "What increase of fortune have you come to tell me of? To make me ashamed of, I fear." there can be no shame in honestly making money by industry oh but we are growing too rich madame emilienne i don't think the village poor complain of that madame they have too little reason to be glad of it and while we are on that subject i want to ask you not to wait for the exact expiration of the three months before you tell me how much i shall have this quarter to spend i could help more people if i could do it every day it is impossible madame to make up a correct balance sheet till we have settled with the furnace masters and the people who take slate from the quarry and we only settle with them every three months then you will oblige me to make debts you can do so if you like i can pay them emilienne spoke with a sort of proud humility she bowed her head at every remark but her cold sharp voice seemed to have a tone of reproach in it gabrielle desired to disarm her ah well she said sweetly with a sigh i see i shall have to resign myself to economy you have a supply of practical good sense for both of us emilienne here sat down after laying her books on a corner of the table you yourself madame she said respectfully instructed me and set me an example in economy i had not learned how to keep down the small expenses of my household fifteen years ago that was the first cause of my sorrows you madame have now doubled your fortune if i allow myself to oppose you in anything you must forgive me remembering that you yourself granted me that right it is always a trial to me to avail myself of it i thank you for using it said madame de monterey quickly the allusion to fifteen years ago made by madame mortier alarmed her i regret continued emilienne in a tone which being slower and less sharp seemed to express softened feeling i regret that i can only render you such trifling services indeed they are great services murmured gabrielle i wish for no others there was a brief silence involuntarily madame de monterey had turned her eyes toward the little cabinet that contained her diaries and voluntarily emilienne's glance followed that of madame de monterey their eyes met gabrielle was afraid she might have pained her woman of business by apparently refusing to treat her as a friend and equal she laid her hand on hers yes she said you do me the greatest service by myself i could not have retrieved my fortune which was much impaired and in spite of all that you say to flatter me i could not possibly have looked after those things myself the death of monsieur henrion left me without an adviser your friendship has taken the place of his she emphasized the word friendship and as she did so pressed emilienne's hand her eyes seemed pleading for some response from emilienne even while she thanked her for her services you do my gratitude too much honor replied madame jean mortier repressively when you dignify it with the name of friendship people must be equals to be intimate friends equals are we not equals in age in feeling through our children and through our sorrows our sorrows can bear no comparison replied emilienne her voice becoming severe she frowned with her dark eyebrows 
i did not compare them but during the fifteen years you have lived under a roof surely you have learned that i told you no untruth when i said when we first met that i too had shed many tears monsieur de monterey's health does not seem to me to give you cause for any great anxiety said emilienne his health is not his health the only cause of sadness which sometimes i have been tempted to fear i brought with me into your household and which all my devotion seems to have no power to remove ah madame with your fortune which puts it into your power to do good and with a son like monsieur roger most women in your place would esteem themselves very happy don't let us speak of such things if you please said gabrielle interrupting her with a forced smile and a little resumption of her dignity as mistress have you indeed been making more money for me did all the timber then sell well and may we hope that the exhaustion of the vein of slate that was talked about was only a vain fear emilian spread out her great pages of foolscap on the table on them all her accounts had been made up ruled and balanced they made a little breeze in the room as she unfolded them she went over several points perfectly unintelligible to madame de monterey who though seeming to listen was weighing and pondering far other things when Emilian had done, she seemed to expect a reply, or at least a remark of some kind. Gabrielle roused herself, and smiling, said, "'Florence copied all that for you, did she not? What pretty writing!' "'Yes, thanks to you, madame. My daughter has had a far better education than I ever had. She writes better. I think Roger was her first writing-master.' "'Do not you remember how they used to squabble when he made her write copies on a slate?' and she would not let him guide her hand i remember said emilienne not well pleased by the remembrance when she grew older you taught her to sew madame emilienne i am sometimes afraid she does too much sewing do not fancy that madame florence likes to do her duty oh but at her age almost twenty the lonely life she leads in this wild country must make duty seem rather monotonous sometimes but her chief duty is to love us both you first and then me because i love her dearly she does love me replied emilienne in a sharp tone of voice and she entertains madame for you such sentiments as become her yes she is very sweet but i want more she sometimes seems to avoid me yesterday for example when i begged her to drive with me to fume she excused herself and would not come it was my doing i kept her to finish these accounts the accounts might have waited for one day are you afraid your child may love me too well madame emilienne this speech was a great piece of audacity the forced gaiety gabrielle put into the remark made it the more pointed i am not afraid of that replied emilienne firmly looking gabrielle straight in the face that she might be the better understood as she added i think it just and right that she should love you the way in which the word you was employed gave the sentence another meaning full complete and menacing gabrielle bent on uniting the two threads that madame mortier seemed equally desirous to keep apart said with the softness with which a tender heart bestows a kiss roger is coming home this evening then you will need no other company in your walks and drives gabrielle sighed how can i tell how long he will stay with us she said a smile half pain and half amusement passed over the lips of emilienne let him travel madame she replied at his age and with his talents as an artist 
traveling is necessary for him yes but this talent which he is doing nothing to cultivate is only as yet a promise of talent he travels less for improvement than to get away from his home yet here lives every one he loves emilienne no longer smiled she drew herself up in her chair and shortly and decidedly remarked it may be best that he should marry early he is so handsome a young fellow gabrielle looked at her reproachfully you know well she said that he does not wish to marry and yet his letter which tells me he has decided to come back is more cheerful than those he has written lately well you see i am right traveling is good for a young man gabrielle mused a moment emilienne sat watching her ready to parry her next remark for she feared that when madame de monterey resumed the conversation it would be to make another attack still more direct upon a point that was tacitly understood but rarely touched upon between them but gabrielle was afraid to say more that morning she did not want to run the risk of shedding tears upon the day of her son's arrival after a few moments silence she said have you anything more you want me to sign no madame gabrielle took up her pen signed the papers before her in due form and with rather a proud grace held out her hand to emilienne without saying a word more as if to thank her over again for taking such care of her property emilienne lightly pressed the hand of gabrielle but remained seated i had she said another matter to speak to you about a most unfortunate occurrence i am afraid you will have to part with one of your best workmen i mean pavel pavel why he is a married man he has a wife and two children and besides you say yourself he is an excellent workman yes when he is not tipsy and when he does not play cards what has happened please tell me at once no great harm so far he drew a knife on one of his fellow workmen a murder here on my property only an attempt to murder in a drinking saloon but i thought you might not think it a right thing to keep a would-be murderer in your employment gabrielle made no direct reply his poor wife she murmured this time big tears which she could not repress rose in her blue eyes yes the wife is much to be pitied of course said emilian gravely but she has only got what she deserves oh don't say that madame emilian i say it because i think it why did she let her husband go every evening to that cabaret coming home in the middle of the night why didn't she prevent his losing or gaining money at play how do you know that she did not try if she had tried resolutely she must have put a stop to it do you really think so so it seems to me pavel was fond of her he is still fond of her and besides that they have two children whom they both love with all that in her favor a wife and mother ought to be invincible she might have kept evil from entering her home there may be fatalities murmured gabrielle yes replied emilienne growing very pale i know there are fatalities but fatalities happen to the innocent not to those whose career is one of vice the innocent may be suddenly struck down misfortunes fall upon them without warning but evil should have been foreseen when a woman knows that her husband goes to the cabaret that he plays cards there that he squanders all his money there and knows too that when he loses much and drinks too freely that he loses his senses and becomes capable of committing any crime she ought to act with energy she ought to show no weakness 
she has her own honor to look after and that of her children and her husband's she should oblige the man to choose between her and the children on the one part and the cabaret on the other it is not always possible i do not say it is easy but it is always possible if the love of drink and cards is stronger than a man's love for his children and his wife she has a last duty before her she should leave the man who does not deserve to be a father or a husband and who before long will fall into the hands of the police she must pass judgment on her husband before the law condemns him she ought to try to save him to redeem him no a wife is not to expose herself to the danger of becoming an accomplice in a crime by uselessly endeavoring to keep her children from despising and shunning as they ought their other parent she exposes herself to the danger of being despised and shunned as well as he gabrielle passed her hand over her forehead on which a light moisture had begun to rise she attempted to smile it seems to me more christian-like she said to stand by the unhappy man and to hope on and to hope ever that is exactly what pavel's wife wishes to do and what she will do and by doing it she will simply destroy herself and do no good by a fidelity which her children may some day blame her for in any case it seems to me that it would not be contrary to christian charity to let the pavel family try their own experiment elsewhere he will easily find work will you authorize me to sign his livret footnote the livret is the little book carried by every workman or manservant in france containing his character it must be signed by each employer with approbation or otherwise on his going away End of footnote. did the man he attacked is he badly wounded madame de monterey's eyes asked more than her words no fortunately had it been worse the police must have been called in then if it was only an accident it was an accident that had its origin in an attempt at robbery what is pavel a thief too is any man who is a desperate gambler scrupulous about honesty pavel wanted to get back money he had lost from a fellow workman who would not give him his revenge another time when excited by play and drink pavel may lie in wait for his victim in some lonely place in the forest it may be and may strike him down with his knife or with his hammer the last word struck a sharp blow on the heart of madame de monterey but she did not faint under it she did not quail perhaps because for fifteen years she had habituated herself to the agony of such speeches which often fell as if by accident from the lips of emilienne or more probably these speeches were uttered as traps to surprise information that might afford her some clue gabrielle answered with resignation you are always more practical than i am if pavel is really incorrigible you do right in sending him away i wish for no bad characters no bad examples among our workpeople but while i turn the man who is guilty over to you i keep the innocent family for myself they are my share i will care for his wife and his little children bring them to me in any event i do not wish that the wrongdoing of the husband and father should expose his family to beggary you are encouraging a gambler no he need not know of my intention besides i will advise his wife you are right perhaps she has been too spiritless too weak 
she may save herself from worse misfortunes if she has the strength to struggle in time yes yes since pavel loves her all may yet be well but cards and drink how do we know but she may reform him since he is willing to work he is not hopelessly lost the desire to work is often the first unconscious symptom of a desire for reformation since a man may recover himself by work work may keep him straight in the long run come then do not let us despair of this father of a family we must send him away you say but perhaps that may be a warning to him does he know you are going to discharge him yes madame he wants to come and say good-bye to you now that he is sober he understands what he has done he sees that he ought to pay the penalty there you see he is not bad yes but the chateau de la poix is not a house of correction not a place of penal servitude and i am certain that if we refer the matter to monsieur de monterey he will agree with me oh don't mention this matter to my husband madame emilian i beg of you no for on such subjects monsieur de monterey can be very severe the sarcasm of this remark was well concealed but gabrielle felt it though she gave no sign yes i know that he would think as you do she said rising this was tantamount to dismissing the widow madame emilienne left the room not exultant over the wound she had inflicted or the rankling venom she had left behind but on the contrary saddened herself by the pain she had occasioned when she had closed the door behind her she turned round quickly and murmured to herself with pity softening her dark eyes she cannot but hate me yet i would gladly love her i do love her why does she not send me away from this place ah my poor jean if you can see us where you are you ought to send me down some ray of light i am trying to avenge you and while i try i am doing everything apparently to justify the fate that came upon you so unjustly for i am murdering the innocent for the sake of an innocent man she shook her head to rid herself of her compassion and becoming once more savage she exclaimed no i am right does she not want to take my daughter from me and florence is but too willing to be taken happily there is monsieur de monterey to prevent that theft a man so rigid so incorruptible ah while emilienne was returning to that detached part of the house where she resided with her daughter gabrielle who had softly bolted the door of her little sitting-room stood lifting her arms above her head in silent agitation and after a few moments of this mute despair for she dared not relieve her feelings by a sound for fear she might be heard by emilienne in the passage she came back to her place dropped into her chair and leaning her forehead on her hands forgot the fear that she had had of showing her son whom she expected a face that bore the marks of tears for she wept long and silently gabrielle was now forty-five but sorrow which makes fewer ravages than dissipation had kept her young it had added however white hairs to her chestnut locks and softened the bright color on her cheeks though a slight tinge of her early bloom remained there still the anguish which has its origin in a soul's absolute innocence and is born of an unselfish far-extending love may find its illusions grow faint as life goes on but they are never absolutely destroyed the features of these holy ones though they wither preserve their purity 
and are very different from the faces furrowed and profaned by remorse by bitterness by disenchantment faces that grow old before their time gabrielle had grown thinner but her form though it had lost the soft roundings of maternity had settled back into its graceful original outlines she was no longer a wife nor was she an old maid she was what it is so difficult to define what artists of great genius have felt and tried to paint in the virgin mother at the cross of her son the blue of her eyes had grown deeper her eyes themselves seemed larger heaven had grown wider in her thoughts her mouth instead of losing its harmonious lines and forming two deep wrinkles at each end had become arched into a smile so habitual with her that even in death it would not change her delicate hands were more beautiful than ever the daily task of writing in dim light had kept them from deterioration no one would now speak of gabrielle as the beautiful madame de monterey as they used to do twenty years ago but the most indifferent person could not see her without a kind of respectful emotion hers was that peculiar beauty which endures and increases without regard to ordinary rules and outward forms which appeals to the imagination but exercises over it a soothing purifying influence after an hour's weeping which she made no effort to restrain madame de monterey roused herself and went forth to give some orders about roger's chamber as she left her own wing of the chateau to go round to the kitchen without passing through the suite of rooms facing the front of the house she saw florence standing before a little flower-bed situated between the two wings of the building the girl had just gathered a rose and thinking nobody could see her she was looking at it carefully comparing it probably with some other rose dear to her from association and after gazing at it for some moments she endeavored to slip it into her braids of hair gabrielle stopped short and watched her her eyes beamed a benediction on emilienne's child she knows that he is coming home this evening thought madame de monterey was it some magnetism that warned florence of her presence she turned she saw gabrielle and with a little confusion she dropped her hand from her hair still holding the rose and twisting its stalk in her fingers as she came forward to meet madame de monterey good morning my child said gabrielle with a gay and easy greeting florence hastened to her side then stopped as if her first thought had been to seize madame de monterey's hand and raise it to her lips but gabrielle drew her toward her pressed her to her bosom and kissed her fervently on both cheeks the girl dared not resist she was made happy by the caress and yet blushing smiling and a little alarmed lest what delighted her should be watched by the eye of jealousy she could not help glancing round her to see if no one had witnessed this embrace which perhaps she knew had been forbidden her gabrielle who guessed what her look meant was not offended you naughty girl she said you broke your promise ah uh, excuse me madame i excuse you i scolded your mother instead ah what a pretty rose did you gather it for me florence dared not tell an untruth but she got out of the difficulty by at once offering her rose to madame de monterey madame de monterey took it examined it inhaled its perfume pressing it so closely to her lips that it seemed as if she kissed its petals and then with an air of coquetry that she very seldom assumed she said if i were not afraid of seeming absurd i would put this rose by and by in my own hair to do honor to a traveller i expect this evening do you know that roger comes home to-night 
florence grew a little pale for one moment she answered only by looking down madame de monterey enjoyed her confusion she went on see put this rose dear in my hair you shall adorn me it is rather too fresh as it is now for my old face and my gray hairs but by this evening it will have had time to fade and then it will be more suitable for me it shall shed its leaves on roger speaking thus gabrielle repeated the attitude she had seen when watching florence stooping a little to be assisted by the young girl who was not so tall as she florence with trembling fingers touched those of madame de monterey as she arranged the rose in her hair just as she had intended to arrange it in her own she did it skilfully and with the pleasing ease of manner that was mingled with respect under pretense of smoothing the braids of madame de monterey she passed her hand several times caressingly over her hair and at last unable to restrain herself she kissed it softly as one might kiss something at once very sacred and very dear then she drew back with tears in her eyes her mouth silently expressing gratitude and affection she had adorned the altar where roger was about to lay his offering but the son's kiss would be second to her own and would mingle with the kiss that had been laid there before his End of chapter four